You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome and thank you for joining us today on the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasa, your host. Our producer is Alex Diaz, and our station is Radio Maria Canada. Today's show has been taped, so unfortunately, there's no opportunity for asking questions or calling in. Uh, we would love for you to follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at the Health Hub RMC on those spots. Following us, following us will give you information readily available when it comes up about show guests, topics we like to cover on our social media, and other things that pop up that we want to inform you about. Please do email us at thh at radiomaria.ca if you have questions, uh, ideas for shows, and so forth. And to that end, I really do want to thank all of you who have taken the time to email us, to give us guest ideas and show ideas. It really does help us. It keeps us centered. And we really do appreciate you the, the kind words and the amount of time it takes actually to sit down and write an email. So do keep them coming. And from myself, from the station, from Alex, we do appreciate everything that you you do and your input for sure. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast. We are the Health Hub. You can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, most of your favorite podcast platforms. And you can also find our podcasts on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca and on my website, which is kathybiasse.com. We have a terrific guest on our show today. Her name is Renee Jones, and she is the founder of Pack Your Own Bag. Renee spent 40 years on the diet yo-yo learning every diet and every cheat available before overcoming emotional stress eating to reach and maintain her goal since 2012. She has a master's degree in counseling, a clinical residency, and training in contemporary models of care. Her book, which I found out about through our interview, is called What's Really Eating You? Overcome the Triggers of Comfort Eating. And she has a wonderful TEDx talk with over a half a million views. It's just an outstanding accomplishment it's in my eyes. We cover a lot of things in, uh, in and around and surrounding and about uh, the diet arena. Uh, with her unique perspective, and obviously she has reached a lot of people with the popularity of not only her book, but her TEDx uh, talk as well. We cover a lot of things, as I mentioned, but some of the key things that stood out for me are um, what she considers to be the key to losing weight and keeping it off. I asked her about emotional eating and if it's always tied to trauma. And Renee gives us some simple easy, actionable tips to keep us on the right track in our quest for weight loss. 
please do stay tuned. You will love this conversation. She's witty. She's funny, very easy to listen to. And I really enjoyed having her on our show. Everybody, we will be back in a few minutes to talk to Renee Jones. what you know you're a saint you're a son you're a promise keeper bottom of the well still digging down deeper oh how far you gonna go chasing down home moving on dreams taking that path maybe it'll Listening to Radio Maria Canada.
We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. As mentioned, our show today is being taped, so no, no opportunity for calling in, unfortunately. As a reminder, please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC on those locations. Renee, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's it's such a pleasure. Uh, you know, nothing to me, and, and I'm kind of a geeky thing for authors and speakers, but nothing screams out success more to me than being invited on a TEDx stage. Mm. So how did that happen? Well, <laughs> slowly, slowly. Um, about a year prior to that, my husband said, hey, I think you want to consider being a speaker. And I was like, love, I'm never going to be a speaker. Are you crazy? Because I'm, I'm quite introverted and um, quiet most of the time. So mm-hmm. that's we, what all we, good speakers say. Yeah, I guess so. I guess it makes us good observers <laughs> of human nature, doesn't it? But um, I, I thought, okay, if I, if I'm going to do talks, I probably need a coach. So I hired a coach and through that, um, he, they suggested we do TEDx talks. Now, um, every time I say that in front of a group, 40 and below, they are just like, wow, that's so fantastic. 40 and above, like me, they didn't know what I was talking about. Oh, really? So, yeah, I had never heard of it. I had never heard of it. Um, so that was just me not being quite clued in, I guess. Um, but my nephews were really impressed. <laughs> well, it's a big deal. You know, I know mm. there's a big vetting process. Mm. Um, and I'll tell you uh, a little trade secret when I am seeking out guests, when they don't come to me, uh, I, I go right to TEDx and, and I really? look for speakers. I do. Yes. Because, ah. um, well, be, being on radio and mm-hmm. not the visual, thank goodness mm-hmm. for, for me, but, um, you know, you definitely <laughs> want someone who can carry a conversation, right? Sure. So, uh, yeah. interesting topics. And, and as I, you know, as I alluded to, it's not an easy process. So no. big, big congratulations on that. I think that's just an amazing accomplishment. Well, thank you. I, I actually applied to like 20 different TEDx stages, um, basically, um, looking for places I'd never been before. I remember getting a, a, a message back from the people in Rhode Island. And they're like, what's your connection to Rhode Island? I said, I've never been there before. Thought I'd like to visit. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently that's not how it works. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I guess it's a process for you too, as the speaker going through all that, but that's amazing. What was the big draw for them? Uh, obviously the topic resonated, but mm. um, you know, there's a lot of talk about diet and things out mm. there. What's your angle on it that really caught their eye? Well, I think the emotional eating side of it, because, you know, Ted's whole idea is an idea worth spreading. And, you know, because I had 40 years on the diet yo-yo behind me and then found a way to stop the emotional eating that was creating the sabotage. And then at that point, that would be 2018, I think. So I had maintained my weight at my goal for six years. And I guess the combination of that was, um, intriguing for them. Mm-hmm. And so then as, as a career woman was, mm. has your career, um, was this the start of your career in, in this, in this space was your weight loss or have you always been in the health, uh, venue? What, where no. <laughs> well, I, I was a counselor and 
I realized that what I had, because I had struggled for so long, I thought, you know, I'm not the only one who's struggling. I'm not the only one who's fought this for years and years and years. So I shifted my coaching practice, my counseling practice to a blend of coaching and counseling and started marketing weight loss because it's such a huge issue. I think mm-hmm. with with the whole COVID thing in the last two years, one of the prime factors for having a worse time of it is obesity. So it it was, and of course, with everyone home, with the kitchen so close, emotional eating became the mm-hmm. thing, didn't mm-hmm. it? So yes. it just seemed a, a, a good direction to go. Well, that is really a big, big deal that a lot of people are, are struggling with. Uh, I have no idea the stats between the beginning of COVID and, you know, where we are now two, um, two and a half years later, almost three, I guess, um, you know, what the degree of weight gain is as a, as a percentage, but uh, it just, as you're saying, being close to the kitchen, everyone at home, mm-hmm. the knee jerk lifestyle changes, you really mm-hmm. have to have uh, a lot you know, a really strong, strong mindset, not to deviate to something that makes you feel good. And oftentimes we, we turn to food, don't we? We do. We do. And I will tell you the only statistic that I know for certain is that my business multiplied by four in 2021. Wow. No, 2020. All online. Yeah. All online, but people were suddenly aware of, oh my word, I'm, I can't stop myself eating. Eventually we're going to have to go back to the office and I got to be able to button my trousers or my skirt uh-huh. or whatever. So yeah, I had four times as many people uh, coming through my practice in 2020. Well, if ever there's a silver lining that we need to look toward, uh, at least the word is getting out about mm-hmm. being healthier can help, uh, you know, minimize the side effects of diseases and, and prevent diseases. And if that's, Indeed. you know, if that's just the one thing that we can look at, that's, that's a, a good thing that may have come from all of this. But, you know, when we're talking about dieting and our approach to dieting, uh, what have you learned about the one size fits all and, you know, all the different, you know, how many different diets are out there? What has been your big takeaway as someone who has wrestled with weight for 40 years? <laughs> Well, I think um, one size fits all doesn't really work in any way, shape, matter, or form. If you think about a t-shirt that's meant to be one size fits all, um, that's not true. It's just that they only made one size, right? It doesn't fit someone who's very small, and it might be tight on someone who's larger. Um, I think the cookie cutter diet does no one service. Um, I actually lost my weight on a low-fat, low-calorie diet. Uh, but I was tired, hungry, and cranky all the time. And two years later, I was struggling to maintain. And I thought, there's got to be something better than this. This, this, yes, it works, but it's torturous. Mm-hmm. Um, at least for my body, it was. So I went online and was looking at all kinds of research. And I ran across a metabolic test that actually changed my life because I, it, it's a, it takes about an hour to do, and I now give it to all of my clients because you've got to find what works for your body. And this test told me that what I needed for my body chemistry and how I responded to different foods. And I, I looked at the diet they gave me for the, a week and I thought, mm, that's opposite to everything I've ever done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I thought it's a week I can try it. And 
within a couple of days, I suddenly felt so much better. I wasn't tired. I wasn't hungry. And God bless my poor husband. I was no longer cranky. And I thought, okay, this is the, this is the thing I need to be doing. And I've eaten that way ever since. And it's made it so much easier to balance and maintain my weight. One of the the questions that I hear a lot and I get a lot when I'm working with clients who want to lose weight is I want to enjoy my food. Mm. Uh, And and that is key, right? Like food is key to our being. And one of the big things that I harp on is, you know, you want to enjoy your food. And if you can't enjoy your food, then what you're trying to accomplish won't stick. So what is the combination between finding your metabolic sweet spot and sort of managing the demons of the foods you want? Well, what's good for us and what we want can be very different. Mm -hmm. We have strong wanters and, you know, just look at any uh, vice that's usually about want, not about need. So if we figure out, okay, this food is not good for me, I like it, but it's not good for me, then we can make a change and maybe leave that food for occasional usage. I actually um, used to make all of my own bread and I make really good bread. Men have bowed before me for my bread. I mean, it's good stuff. (laughs) But what I figured out along the way is that it doesn't make me feel good. And it's not celiac. It just, I think it raises my blood sugar so much that I become very cranky Mm -hmm. and it's just not worth it to me. Maybe once a year. And, you know, a couple of years ago, we were sat at the the Christmas table and my, my husband was going on a business trip on the 27th. And I looked at his, his mother had just placed this plate before me that had bread. It had sweets. It was, it was beautiful, but I was thinking, Oh goodness me, that's not going to be good for me. And I looked over at him. He said, go ahead. I'm not going to be here when it hits. hits." (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so he was reading you just quite nicely. (laughs) He was reading me because he knows that I get, I just get cranky when I, when I have too much um, blood sugar in irregularity. So that told me it's just not worth it to feel that awful for a couple of days thereafter. The blood sugar sugar regularity, you know, that can happen to anybody, right? Yes. But for you, when you did your testing and you did, uh, you know, this process that you went through, you found, I guess, more sensitivities to certain types of foods because, you know, where one slice of bread may send you spiraling may not be quite the same for somebody else, right? No, it's not. And, and, and this is the thing we've got to figure out is how do these foods affect you? I learned uh, through my process that gluten, carbohydrates, high sugar kind of carbohydrates make me hungry. Mm -hmm. They just make me hungry. That's how it works in my body. So when I took some of those things out or reduced them significantly, I didn't have the same hunger issues. That's what works for my body. And my first pillar in my program is about finding what works for your body. Because if you don't know, you're going to be struggling and unhappy. Well, where, where do we get to the point? Is it, is it now when in your experience, are you finding is, is it a combination of not understanding perhaps your body type and what your body needs with 
overeating? Is it, is it, you know, a marrying of the two or is it one or the other? What is your experience? Yeah, I think it, it, everybody is different. So we've got to look at ourselves, you know, we're all fearfully and wonderfully made, right? So just because it, it works that way in mine doesn't mean it's going to work that way in yours and vice versa. So overeating has just become an international pastime for developed countries. Um, we go out to eat. When I was growing up, I remember going out to eat once a month because my parents had just got paid. They were teachers and they just got paid. So we would go out and we would have a meal out somewhere. Now it wasn't a fancy restaurant, but you know, portion sizes now are so huge, at least in the U.S., um, that it, it's amazing how much we think our bodies can handle without needing to store it for later, which we call fat. And and are we, you know, as these portion size get bigger, are we sort of training ourselves to eat more? You know, oh, absolutely. We are. Absolutely. Well, if you think about it, a lot of, when I was growing up, people would say, yes, I know you're hungry right now, but your stomach will shrink and you'll be fine in a couple of weeks, which I don't know whether that's exactly true, but I know your metabolic needs reduce because the body is infinitely capable of adapting to less and less. So it slows down your processes. So you don't need as many calories to, to run the body. So that's what happened with all of the biggest loser people. They dropped them to like 1200 calories and hours of, um, of cardio. And as soon as they stopped doing that and they added back in calories, the body had already adapted. So they didn't need as much. So it hit that storage uh, button, uh -huh. which meant they regained all of their weight and possibly more. So some of it is portion sizes. Some of it is just our inability to be sensible sometimes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know I've been there, particularly when my grandmother was still alive. You know, we would eat until we could hardly move. We were just silly and out of control because it tasted so good. Let's enjoy another bite, which comes to a point where you can't, right? Mm -hmm. So what I tell people now is enjoying your food isn't about more. It's about actually stopping and chewing and squeezing every bit of flavor out of the bite so that you get all of the taste of it. It's, and, yeah, you, you really have rung the bell that I, I like to hit as well. Uh, this idea of chewing is mm. so underrated and, mm. and for so many different reasons, if none other than just to slow you down. I mean, there are yes. studies upon studies showing the more you chew your food, the less you eat, right? Yes, yes. And, you know, what I say is if you're going to eat on autopilot, you may as well be eating celery because you'll enjoy it just as much. Mm -hmm. So really but, diet, the combination of you, you got to train your brain as well yes. as, as training the plate that's in front of you and how you're going to load it. Indeed. Indeed. I mean, there, there's so many ways that we need to readjust. I mean, people talk about, well, I don't get this and I don't get that. And I think, well, you deal with this when you put gasoline in your car, you deal with this when you're doing a, a budget, a financial budget, you do it in so many other ways. We just think food seems to be different and it's not, it's still what our bodies need and what we can manage. What is the number one reason that diets fail? 
we stop doing them. Or we don't learn anything from them. I mean, this is the thing. Before I ran across the metabolic thing, I wondered why I was always hungry after, you know, rice cakes and such, apart from they're not very filling. Um, but it, I, what I learned is that they just make me hungrier. So rather than looking at another diet that's got a lot of excess carbs or the standard American diet, um, I thought, okay, I need something different. I still need my calories, but I need them that will keep my blood sugar a little more stable mm-hmm. so that I don't get so hungry. So if we learn from what has worked for us in the past, and very often we do know some of the things, it's like, oh, this affects me this way, then we can then modify our ongoing nutrition plan to meet our needs. And is, Rather this than all just out, saying, is it all out exclusion of things that you like that you need to be successful? I don't think so. I think some people, it, it depends on you. Again, um, there, there are people who can moderate what they take in. And then like alcoholics, some need to absolutely abstain from certain things for a time until they get control. You know, I can moderate a lot of things. But after my grandmother died, I could not moderate peanut butter. <laughs> like I just wanted more things <laughs> of all the things. Yes. So I had to abstain from peanut butter for about two years, which really kind of upset the dog because <laughs> he loved peanut butter. He partook butter. as well. He partook as well. So I think we have to figure out, okay, what things can I actually have? And what things do I now need to have good Uh, barriers or parameters around. Mm -hmm. So for example, for me, I know that when I'm circling the refrigerator, going back to my peanut butter jar, I'm not quite in control of my, my needs and desires. So it lives when I have it, it lives in a refrigerator that is out in the garage Mm -hmm. so that I've got a few more steps in before I get to it. I've got a couple more minutes to think about it. So it very much depends on you and what works for you and what doesn't work for you. If, you know, I've heard people say, I can't do without all of these things. Okay. Then find a way to make it work for you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to eliminate entire food groups if that won't be sustainable for you. So what I'm hearing is that a diet is a diet and you can get the meal plans and you can get the reduction in calorie and have it all put together. But until you take ownership and until you learn what you need and what you don't need and are willing really to make some sacrifices, the likelihood of you staying on track is going to be diminished. I would agree. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) All right. It can be a tough road to hope, right? I mean, change can change in any area. If we, you know, if we step outside the diet space, change in any area does require commitment and a knowledge base. And I think that's what sets you apart is that knowledge base. And I think if you start there and understand, then you'll be far more successful. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we've been circling it and circling it, but we're going to hone in on this topic of emotional eating. So everybody hold on tight. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. There is power, power Here in this hour, this hour 
We're all together, together, waiting here as one. There is power, power, here in this hour, this hour. We're all together, together, waiting here as one. and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back. We are talking with Renee Jones. Renee, the name of your company is Pack Your Own Bag. And yeah, we talked a little bit uh, off mic about what that means, but it's so poignant to what we've just discussed. Explain how you, you titled your company and the reasoning behind it. Okay. So I believe that our emotional bags get packed for us as we go through life. And just like with a full suitcase, you cannot put more in there until you take some things out. And one of the things I do with people is help them unpack the stuff they no longer need get all the little bits and pieces out so that they can then pack for the journey they want to be on, not the one they stumbled into. Packing your own bag. Now, would this be tied to this topic of emotional eating that we're hearing more and more about? Oh, definitely. That's one of the biggest bags we get packed for us. Now, you know, the connotation towards emotional eating is, is a trauma or something negative that's happened in your life. And in such a, a, an arena, you are relying on that tub of ice cream to soothe you when, you know, there's some association to something negative. But is it always an emotional negativity that ties us to a poor way of eating? No, 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 no. In fact, emotional eating begins at birth. Because if you think about it, when a baby cries, what do we do? We soothe it. Yes. And very often we put something in their mouths, either the bottle or the breast or a pacifier, just something. That oral soothing thing is what we learn first. So as a child gets older, they may go to their thumb or biting their nails 
Because in some way, putting something in your mouth soothes you, even if it's a disgusting habit, right? Mm -hmm. And then we go on to things like donuts or pizza. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the carbs are really what we dive into, right? You throw the little bits of cereal on a tray and things like that, that are easy for the, the little one to pick up. Right. Yeah. And it, it's just easy. I mean, it's not wrong. It's just easy. And as long as their bodies handle it, okay. And they don't overdo it too much. It's probably fine. So are we, when we're trying to then get on the diet, the proper diet path, do we have to break those associations or just understand them? Well, I think recognizing it is helpful. Um, again, uh, peanut butter and my grandmother, they were so linked together. And what I finally realized was that it was a tangible connection to the love and the encouragement that she gave me. So when I wasn't feeling loved or encouraged, I would go back to my peanut butter because my grandmother was by then gone. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's it's a positive thing. We're just looking for what it is we're missing. It, I, I've been quite amused. Um, I've had a number of men that I've talked to about food, and almost always they say, well, I just want a little ice cream between 9 and 10 o'clock at night. And I ask them, so when your parents told you they were getting a divorce or delivered some other bad news, did they take you out for ice cream? Yeah, they did. Huh. Ah, and when you lost a game, did the coach take you for ice cream? Yeah, because we always had pizza when we won. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And being aware of that, then you can say, okay, this is what I know I need. How do I get that differently? In fact, I have a, an acronym if it's okay to share. Uh-huh. Okay. So I say overcoming emotional eating isn't hard. We just have to get the hang of it. And hang is the acronym. And the H is, am I hungry? And you know, if you're hungry, you may need something to eat. But if you're not, A, what is the attraction to food in this moment? What has you going for that? The N is, what do I actually need? other than food. And then the G is go, go get that because that will soothe you more than food ever could. Are there, uh, you know, someone says to you, okay, so what do I do in place of ice cream? Are there common go-tos that you throw at people to break the tie between the emotion and the food? I, I think the common thing is to say, oh, call a friend, listen to some music, um, have a manicure, that kind of thing. Um, and that may or may not be useful to you. So thinking about what kinds of things soothe you is really important. I know after my, my grandmother died, um, we were leaving the next day for our holiday. And I walked around that, that place for two or three days, just barely being able to function, right? I was... My grandmother and I were really tight. And on the third day, um, there was an area where they had like books and puzzles and games that you could you could use. And I picked up a puzzle. And I did that puzzle when we were in our room. And it was so soothing to me. But I recognize that's because 
Puzzles have rules. Games have rules. You play it a certain way and things work out. If all the puzzle pieces are there, you will have a picture at the end of it. So what I needed was order. And I could get it through that puzzle. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It does make sense. Now, so finding what fits you and what is soothing to you other than food is what you most need. How do you navigate that? If you're, you know, we're talking kind of in a bubble here, um, mm-hmm. but how do you navigate changing up the, I'm going to assume that if you have these foods, these sort of flash foods um, mm-hmm. in your home, that it's not just you that's, you know, dipping into them. So how do you navigate breaking these ties when you're living amongst other people who may also have their own associations with the food or just darn well like to have it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's important to kind of get family agreement um, that, okay, I need this and I don't need to see that. So one of the things I tell people is, um, so clear out the shelf in your pantry or refrigerator that is at your eye level. And the only stuff that goes on that shelf is stuff that is good for you. Put it in a clear container. So you can see it. If it needs a container, put it in something clear so you can always see it. And put everything else above your eye level or well below. Because out of sight truly is out of mind. Some people just use a different cupboard. You know, um, this is this is mom's cupboard. This is dad's cupboard. This is brother's cupboard. All of those kinds of things. So that you only go to the one that it belongs to you. Mm-hmm. Because if you go to someone else's cupboard, you're actually stealing. And we don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) You're placing one negative with another, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes. And always, you know, stock, stock snacks that are good for you. If you're a snacker, make sure you've got things that are pretty that you like that are helpful for you. I and think then, the word snack does, you know, almost the, the, the word snack is almost like a treat. And I think it's great to keep the house loaded in snacks. You know, just my experience with having you know, all the kids home, uh, mm-hmm. my husband home, uh, not so much now, but before uh, when they went to the fridge, unless there was something readily available, you know, some of them would be ordering food in, you know, so easy mm-hmm. with, with, you know, the, the delivery services. Um, and, and I kind of got on this trend. Well, if I just had things that were kind of healthy and there for them to grab, as one of my kids said, I don't want ingredients. I want food. So, mm. you know, busy schedules and, and not wanting to put things together and take that time. I think snacks and healthy snacks are key. Don't you? Yeah. It's, if, if you're a snacker, now some people don't do that. Um, for various reasons. But if you're a snacker, you need to have something that works for you. And it needs to be just as pretty as the you know, rubbish stuff that's around us all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And have you found when you're, you know, you said your business has really grown over, uh, you know, the, the pandemic. Um, have you found that, what is the reasoning? Is it a, a people are sad? Is it a low self-worth? They may not be able to work. What, what, what do you find is the, the emotional trigger to this? It depends on the person again, because it can be sad, mad, frustrated, angry, stressed, any of that. 
or it doesn't have to be. It can be a connection with someone or a time in your life when you just felt so good. Self-esteem definitely plays a part. And I think we have an epidemic of low self-esteem, a pandemic, um, at least in Western cultures. But if, you, if you're not feeling great about yourself, you're going to need more soothing. So if we can build self-esteem in a person, help them recognize where their stuff is. In fact, my second pillar is your baggage, unpacking your baggage. And then the third is getting reconnected with your best self. Because I don't know about you, Kathy, but when I'm in my best self, I always make better choices. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And this is work, right? There's no getting around it, Renee. When you want to make significant changes, it does take work on your part. And I, and you know, do you have to explicitly say this to your clients? This is going to take work. Are you in a place right now where you can, you know, you know, give the time and the mind, the mind space to it? Absolutely. And what I often say is you've done it the other way for a long time. It's going to take a little time for you to figure out how you want to go forward with these things and what things you need to get rid of, what things you need to bring back in, what things, how you are going to respond when you go out for a meal. I had a, a conversation uh, day before yesterday with a client who was, who suddenly has four times she's eating out this week. <laughs> and no. she's like, what do I do? What do I do? Well, you decide what you want before you go in and you stick with it. It's just practice. Mm-hmm. You know, people, people talk about failing like it's practice we'll get there but it takes a little time because you haven't done it this way before and we're so ungracious with ourselves we think if we've if we've made a mistake then we're done we can't do anymore and it's like no i well, restarted myself like for 4 months before i got on on the bandwagon properly and i think that's an important thing to point out right like nobody's perfect you may fall off Nobody eats a, I don't care. I shouldn't say nobody that's too blanketed, but not many of us (laughs) eat a perfect diet. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, getting rid of that guilt is, is number one, you know, we go on these diets and we think we have to do everything to the letter. And, you know, somewhere in the middle is that, that happy ground, right? Mm, Yes. Um, We can't be perfect. And, you know, when I talk to people, you, people come and they probably come to you. This is my goal to lose weight. And I think that the eyes really become wide opened when you say it's not just about your food, right? Yeah. It's about the lifestyle choices that you need to make so that you've got a foundation so that your food choices are going to be better than they were yesterday. And tomorrow they may be better than they are today. Yes. I think it's a, it's a great way to approach it that, that you are coming to people with now, just one thing, because I know this is going to be a question uh, because it's, it's, it's just such a common one that we all have. What happens when you fall off the bandwagon and give into one of those cravings? Well, a, I have a, a craving protocol, but B, oh. you just gotta, you gotta get back on your, your plan at the next opportunity. You know, a lot of people say, well, I've blown it now. I may as well just eat what I want and start again tomorrow, Monday, whatever they, which could be a great excuse to go off the diet, right? Exactly. Exactly. But if you can get back on track at your next meal, start again, it's okay. We, we have to, we have to figure these things out. 
And what do you think of cheat days? Should they be built in or those are just days that happen? Um, well, I find plenty of them happen just because, right? Because mm-hmm. you, you're not always in control of, of your food. It's a little easier when you're, you're staying home more, but I, I don't recommend them because they just reinforce habits that are not serving you. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. Now, if people want to get in touch with you, I mean, it's such a, you know, you're, you're a great speaker, number one, very Thank easy you. to listen to. So it's great. So if, if people are resonating and want to find out more about you and jump on your diet bandwagon, how do they get a hold of you? <laughs> Through packyourownbag.com. And everything is there, all your social links and so forth. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, Instagram at pack your own bag, Facebook, pack your own bag. It's all there. Now, yeah. are you are you setting yourself up to do any more speaking engagements? Hoping to, hoping to. Once we uh, get clear enough um, and some of the stuff gets well started again, I'd love to. Yeah. Uh, again on the TED stage. You know, I I've thought about that. Someone said, "Are you writing another book? Are you going back to TED?" And I was like, "I've got to come up with another good idea worth spreading, don't I?" <laughs> oh, you've written a book as well. Yes. Yes. It's called what's really eating you overcome the triggers of comfort eating. Wonderful. And when was that uh, published? Uh, That was published in 2017 and continues to sell. So I'm very grateful. That's wonderful. Well, it has been a real pleasure discovering you and having you on our show. I think your message is very clear and, you know, it gives people a good starting point. And, you know, the, the basic part of it is that you have to put the work in, right? That's where we're starting from. Yes, you've got to do the work in order to get the results. That's absolutely true with everything. So everybody, mm-hmm. um, thank you for joining us. Renee, thank you for being on the show. It's been my absolute pleasure. Mine too. Everybody, we will talk to you next week on The Health Hub. Hosted by Kathy Biasi here on Radio Maria Canada.